they came out and played like they supposed to play. They came out and played like a football team. You know, uh, we came out like a football team also. They just held it a little bit more longer. They wanted it a little bit more than we did in the show. That's Nigel Warrior, Tennessee defensive back, and um, he just talked about how Georgia State had more want to. Marquez Callaway backed that up as well by saying it showed in the outcome of the game. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off. I'm Jimmy Himes along with Tim Irwin. Let's hear now from Jeremy Pua before we get back to our calls. Uh, he was asked um, uh, how critical was it that Georgia State opened the second half with a touchdown? Well, the, lots of times in the game, the most important drive is the drive right after half, right? So, um, you know, it, that was very disappointing um, because they continued to do the things that they'd done in the first half. And, you know, we went and, and felt like we had a good plan moving out the second half. But a couple of boots got away from us there. Didn't take a guy on a three through one time and um, a little late to the tight end in the flat. And, you know, we're, we're – we we have to be able to to execute at a high level, okay? Uh, and we wasn't far away, okay, a lot of times, but we wasn't where we needed to be, if that makes sense. So, hey, we know we got this guy man-to-man, okay, but maybe the, the alignment was not exactly right. And that goes back to me, and I, we've got to go back and make sure that our guys have an understanding, um, you know, and – when you look at it, uh, I've seen this before. Um, when you get in games, when you got some young guys or some inexperienced guys, you have anxiety, um, and you know, hey, you you forget the the details, right, of of, of what you've learned. So, hey, we we've got we, that's who we got. We got some young guys, and they have talent. Okay, we got to coach them up and get them to play at a high level. Uh, but again, you got to give Georgia State credit, right? So. There's lots of times when we lined up in the game, how we lined up based off the schematic scheme that they did, we didn't have a chance. Okay, the first thing we got to do is get lined up. Pruitt also was asked, how did he feel like the Vols played at the line of scrimmage? Well, uh, you, you can look at the yards rushing, right? So Georgia State rushed for 213 and Tennessee rushed for 93. I think that tells the tale. Um, I'm not sure that based off how the defensive played, um, did we act, did we give our offensive line a chance to dominate the game? Because there was a point in time that every time that our offense got the ball, we were down a little bit further. Uh, so I, I don't know if that's that's right, you know, when it comes to that. And talking about running the football offensively, but um, that usually dictates who wins or loses the game. Jeremy, did you have any sense that maybe your team wasn't ready to play? No, we, I, I believe we were ready to play, Jimmy. We're ready to play, but you've got to execute, you know. So, um, you know, the, you, you throw the ball out there in the, on the bubble, and it, we don't get a clean catch. We juggle it. They get a short field. We have an opportunity to hold them to a field goal. We don't. They punch it in. We get a third and one. We don't get a first down on the third and one. You know, we end the half with a ball on the three-yard line. You know, there's hidden points out there. You look at it defensively, you know, there's a point with one of their touchdown drives there in the – I guess it's their second touchdown drive of the first half. Um, you know, it's probably obvious to all y'all that when you got two defensive ends on one side of the field, somebody's not lined up correctly, right? Uh, 
The guy scrambles out for a first down. We knew the guy could run. Uh, we've played against running quarterbacks in the past, right? We have plans for that. Um, but we, but for whatever reason, okay, we didn't execute at a high level. Get a pass interference call, you know. Um, but third down, getting off the field, okay, killed us today. Uh, and we've got to be able to get off the field. We can't, we can't give a guy, a team, any team, all right, a bunch of extra chances, right? Um, and we got to be able to execute at our best all the time. Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Tim, did you feel like Tennessee was ready to play? I mean, I hope you are. I mean, ready Should to play. Be. Ready, ready to play encompasses a broad spectrum. There's the emotional side of being ready to play. There's the preparation side, the X's and O's part. And from what he just said, X's and O's, we weren't there. That's on the coaches. I mean, the kids got to do it. Coaches don't block and tackle. Our coaches don't line up in the right or wrong places, but they got to get you there. If you're not there to start with, that you know, that causes a problem. I, I, something he didn't talk about. You know, we sent a late sub in, and a guy's running off the field, and that's a huge play. Keeps a drive alive for them. Yep. And we got a chance to stop them right there and at least get the ball back. I think they would have had to kick a field goal. That would have been fourth down. They would have had to kick. And we get a stop and sure enough we've got a guy running off the field it's not even close uh, and that's on the coaches they didn't get the sub in in time that's not on the kid I mean I thought he was jogging at first I looked back no he was motoring pretty good to try to get off there uh, I think everybody pretty much had a bad day when Georgia State beats Tennessee there ought not be anybody too happy and I think that rage you're talking about that he hadn't showed I heard it simmering under the surface, and I heard great effort to maintain control and give credit to a team that had a lifetime win against a major program. And I think he's seething. And I think what's going on behind closed doors right now is not pretty. Yeah, that uh, that illegal substitution you're talking about, it was with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and that uh, kept their drive alive. And, and then a couple plays later, the quarterback went 22 yards for a touchdown. That was the death knell. Yeah. It was the Absolutely. final. And there's so many moments you could point to that if this hadn't happened, but it did happen. And a lot of it was preparation and not being ready to play. Let's go back to the phones where our next caller is Kim. Kim, you're on Sunday, Sports Sound Off. Uh, good morning, guys. Morning. Uh, I was devastated yesterday. Maybe I take the games too seriously, but I, I just feel like I agree with the other callers. We've turned away from the run game too early. If you don't have enough faith in your old line that you can punch it in two yards out, you know, I just don't know what to think. And putting the ball on the ground, anybody can beat you. But the piece of this puzzle that I think is missing is this. And I ain't going to get on the bandwagon to say Jeremy Pruitt needs to go. I like Jeremy Pruitt. But at the same time, we're paying him to bleed orange. I need somebody coaching these kids that bleed orange because they want to. That's what Philip Fulmer did. And, yeah, I believe in the Philip Fulmer curse. I really do. But the kids didn't execute, and that goes right back to coaching. They didn't execute at home against a team that they probably I didn't look at the roster but they probably uh, 
much better. I'm just trying to say we were much better and we got beat. But my theory there is, too, any team can beat any team in college football on any given Saturday, and it happened. And now we have to pick up the pieces and go forward. And I'm not a fair-weather fan. I live through Lane Kiffin, so I'm not a fair-weather fan. But I just want to tell the boys and the coach, I do support you, but somewhere down the road, I do think that is the missing link. We need somebody that bleeds orange, not somebody we're paying to bleed orange. And I'll get off here and let you guys talk. Thank you. Well, I, I do think the team with the most talent did not win, but the team that deserved to win did win. I agree with that, unfortunately. I do. Let's uh, let's try Hitch again. Hitch, you're on Sports Sound Off. Well, guys, you, you got to know how to handle these mountains in the hills and hollers of East Tennessee because uh, I got knocked off a couple times there. But, oh, it, but it You're talking on a hands-free device, aren't you, Hitch? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay, good. <laughs> That's coming from a judge. Yeah, I, I, well, we need a judge of jurisprudence uh, <laughs> to look at this thing and and, and, and see where, where we're lacking. Uh, but, uh, Jimmy, uh, you said uh, that we shouldn't fire the coach, and, and I agree with that, and I think your honor agrees with that as well. You've got to let him almost to, to know if he's got a team, in my opinion, now, what y'all think uh you've got to let him go not just through this year but you've got to let him go completely through next year because if the talent base is off and i do think the judge made a good good suggestion that he would know uh, offensive lineman to make a couple of those judgments that he suggested because uh we're just gonna we're gonna have to ride it out till uh the end of next year I, i don't see him firing him nor do i see a fair chance being given to turn it around if you take the recruiting away that a lot of callers have spoke about. Well, I think that uh, the the potential is there to have affected to affect recruiting, not on one game, but on the season. If this season you go five and seven again, you're going to have trouble landing that great player from Las Vegas named Washington, a great player out west named Smalls. There's some tremendous players that Tennessee is in on. If you don't show improvement from year one to year two, you're going to have a harder time luring those people. Now, I still think you can get a lot of these in-state kids, and there's some outstanding in-state players. But to get some of the difference makers that are out west or not in this area, it makes it harder if you don't show improvement on the field, my opinion. Well, I mean, because there's only going to be so much of a sales pitch, and uh... – but what, what do you think, uh, Judge? Uh, what, you, you had an idea for moving the offense and defensive uh, linemen around. Uh, that's not going to help us win in the long run, run is it? We're going to have to go back to, uh, you know, playing the best. But you're saying in, in your what you would do, you'd play the three best offensive linemen and then uh, – Send the other three to defense. Is that no, what, what I said was if we played nine offensive linemen in the game, I'd take the three that did the worst, and I'd give them an audition on the defensive line because we don't have enough bodies over there. We don't have anybody we can run in and put a fresh pass rusher in there at the appropriate time. We played that game with about four or five guys. The modern game needs to be played with six or seven guys, and we're short bodies there. And the bodies we have aren't great. I'm sure they're trying, but they're not great. Our best one uh, went out with an injury. And we graduated some pretty good ones last year, so we need to uh, we need more bodies. And if we don't have them, then I would look at your backup offensive linemen and see if any of them showed any promise to get. I'm talking about next week. I'm not talking about the future. I'm talking about right. BYU. 
I'm talking about UTC. We're not good enough not to get completely ready for every game and put the best product we got out there. You know, I think about the calls coming up this week, and I heard it building. I didn't say anything. I wasn't on the air. I only go on after the games, and I get to be a genius after everything's happened. But uh, I heard it all week long. Uh, well, we might get to play three quarterbacks. Wouldn't that be neat? Um, these guys will get some good chance to be on the field. This will be good for them. And we're talking about everything. The whole city's doing it like they always do, but everything but about winning the football game. And winning the football game comes first, and all the attention ought to be focused on trying to find a way to beat BYU with what we got, which right now is not showing a lot of potential. Well, it's not showing uh, a lot of potential, and uh, uh, I, I think it's going to be a rough road to hold, but, but y- y'all are right. Uh, you, you've got to have some winning, but the winning now has got to come against Florida FLA, my most hated team. But the, we, we've got to have one or two teams in there like that. I don't think, uh, Tim I, and, and Jimmy, and I'll say this, i ask you out the door. Um, I've just never been afraid of Georgia. I've, I've always felt like we could play against Georgia. But the, the sad note that I'm making today is I believe there must be some kind of uh, curse when they fired Fulmer. And what that could be or what that is, I don't know. Cause, uh, well, Fulmer's uh, back. He works for the University of Tennessee now. Wouldn't him hiring him as athletic director do something to deter that fabled curse? Uh, Philip Fulmer hadn't blocked anybody in a long time. He hadn't tackled anybody in a long time. He certainly hadn't run the ball probably ever. Uh, I'm not big on on curses. Yes, I think it was a mistake when we fired Coach Fulmer when we did. I think he should have been able to hire a new offensive coordinator and go forward. I'll go on the record saying that anytime. But that's history. And we're talking about BYU next week. I don't believe in curses. Thanks, Hitch. Let's go to Tyler. Tyler, you're on Sports Handoff. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. I just want to say I was born in 1997, so I am a young fan. The only thing I really know about Tennessee football is what we see, you know, in the past 10 years or so. But I I don't understand people who call in and say, we need to fire Coach Pruitt, fill it former curse, blah, 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 blah. What is What does that solve, first off? It doesn't solve anything because then we start over at ground zero. He's played one, he's had one season and one game to say what he can do. Yeah, we lost to Georgia State. It's embarrassing. I was at that game. It sucks. I think we're all in agreement with that. But why do we got to be so negative all the time? Yes, I want to see Tennessee football be good again because all I get to watch is highlights of when we were good. But come on, fans. We can't sit here and be sad and be mad. Like Jeremy Pruitt said, the sun – sun rose this morning let's get over it let's get ready to play BYU we could still go 11 and 1 we probably won't but it's always a possibility so I just don't understand why we got to be so negative we got to fire Jane Pruitt you know blah blah whatever but I, I love you guys Jimmy you're awesome you cracked me up last night I was driving home and you bet that guy hundred hundred dollars that we weren't gonna we're gonna win more than two games. 
That's pretty funny. I'm ready. But I'm putting my yeah, money where my mouth are. is. I know you are. I want to. I'll bet with you just to win your hunt. Just to win the hundred dollars. But oh, okay. <laughs> let me ask You're you. Let, let me ask you a question. Last yes, week, what would you have said was a bigger likelihood: Tennessee going eleven and one, or Tennessee losing to Georgia State? Probably Tennessee losing to Georgia State. If you want me to be honest, I don't. I don't know I mean, about now, that. No, no, I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I love Tennessee football. I, I'm probably the biggest fan you'll ever meet in my age group. Um, I bleed orange. I get it honestly from my grandfather and my dad. Uh, but I, I just don't understand the negativity. You know, well, we, we got well, people it's lot, it's, And Tyler, we, we appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Uh, it's a lot of frustration. Talk radio, too. I mean, we got people that call in that are Kentucky fans. We got people that call in that are Florida fans, even. Somehow they managed to get on the air. I'm not sure how that happens. Oh, we take all calls, Tim. I, I understand. We ought, yeah. to institute, we ought to institute regional screening. No, no, but, no. Uh, we, we take them all. We like to make fun of some of them. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, people got a right to be disgruntled, and they certainly have a right to be disgruntled after Saturday. And some people show they care in different ways. Your rally around the flag and support. Other people say, I can't stand any more of this. I can't take it. And I certainly get both sides. I didn't sleep too good last night. Is anger better than apathy? Works for me. <laughs> I think it is. If you have apathy and people aren't showing up to games, you got a bigger problem. I don't mind being angry. There you go. I, I, I coached <laughs> and played, and, and uh, uh, I think it's healthy to – let that outburst of emotion go once in a while. Bud Grant now. Did you still care? Bud Grant never showed emotion. He thought it was a sign of weakness. But uh, he didn't want to give anybody a clue what he was thinking or doing. He controlled by that power. But uh, I think it's okay to let it, let it loose a little bit. Everybody's a little different. That was my deal. I like to let it out. It feels good for me to get it out, <laughs> exercise those demons a little bit. And, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I was angry. And uh, still a little bit angry. We are brought to you by Window Works, East Tennessee's window and insulated siding experts. With Tim Irwin, I'm Jimmy Himes. You're listening to Sunday Sports Handoff. It wasn't surprising at all. You know, uh, I believe that they they considered themselves as the underdog. And, you know, when you're the underdog, you really want to win. And they really wanted to win. And you can tell how they came out and played. That's Tennessee safety Nigel Warrior talking about how um, Georgia State had more want to than Tennessee. I don't think many people would argue with that. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Soundoff with Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Hines. Let's go back to the phones where our next caller is Rick. Hello, Rick. What do you say, boys? Hey, Rick. Uh, yeah, I just want to say, you know, everybody's talking about this Phil Former curse, you know. Uh, they need to get off the Phil Former curse thing. I mean, when you know, nobody likes to hear the truth, but, you know, the facts is facts. And if you go back when Former was there, the last two or three years, he let the program go down. Did they want to fire him? Probably not. But when Alabama fans come up there and they felt like it was at a home game, you know, you got to make a change. And half the people wanted him gone, half people didn't. But he got fired, you know. 
and would you like Lane Kiffin or you don't? He came in down there with nothing. And he went seven and five and could have beat Alabama if he had a kicker. But I look at it like Ryan Leaf did last night. Do I like Ryan Leaf? No, he's not no fan of mine. But he said he looked like he was watching a spring game where they was evaluating their players. And I heard one caller last night called in on your show, and he said, you know, you got to pick 11 guys and go with them. And Perry said, you know, they're so evenly matched. Probably so, but you still got to have a starting line. And I think Tim Irwin knows that you got to have a starting line that it takes time for them to jail. But if you're switching players in and out in different positions, you know, it's not going to happen. But anyway, it is what it is. And uh, people don't realize you're far uh, for it. But it's hard to get a coach when you want to come to Tennessee. What coach you going to get a good coach if you want to come to Tennessee? The shape it's in. It ain't going to happen. You're lucky to have what you got. And be thankful and count your blessings. Have a great day. Mm. Uh, I'm going to disagree with a couple things. First off, uh, I think ten- I think this is still a desired job. Tennessee has just, and I'm not counting Pruitt in this because it's still to be determined in my opinion, but Tennessee, has uh, they just haven't made the right hire of a coach. Uh, going back to Lane Kiffin, in my opinion, going back to Derek Dooley and to Butch Jones, those guys were not going to get the job done here. If you think Kiffin's going to get it done here, why didn't he get it done at Southern Cal? With all the talent they have and a less a weaker conference, he got fired at Southern Cal. I'm also going to disagree with this, that Lane Kiffin had nothing. There were six players on that team that were drafted in the NFL, and in fact, two of them were first-round draft picks, Eric Berry and Dan Williams. That's not nothing. Nothing is when last year you had no players drafted. That's closer to nothing. Kiffin inherited a lot more talent when he came in here than Jeremy Pruitt did. I think the draft would support that. So, anyway. Let's go to James. James, you're on Sports Sound Off. How you doing? Fine. Okay, I've got an observation, okay. and then I've got two questions, and then I'll get off here real quick. But uh, the observation, in my opinion, was that <clears throat> Tennessee's game plan was that it, they were playing an exhibition game, and they were not going to show anything to BYU, uh, a vanilla offense per se. And, uh, and they tried to stay with it as long as they could. And it bit them, and uh, that was my observation. My questions, two of them, is one: Will uh, this loss get uh, the Thompson kid back on the field quicker? And my second question is: After last night, do you think BYU will assign one of their uh, assistants to watch the clock operator? And I'll hang up and listen to your comment. I don't get the second comment. Well, I what know what he's talking there? about. It. Uh, oh, at the end of the half on the one second left? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, the end of the half, one second, and then uh, at the end of the game on the onside kick with two seconds left, and we didn't get to zero on that either. Yeah, they're in one second. Yeah. 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 One second twice seemed a little curious, but, you know, I'd never seen, been watching a long time. I hadn't seen a lot of clock hanky-panky around here. Uh, well, you know, onside kick, uh, the guy caught it on the ground, right? It doesn't start until the receiver touches it. Correct. The uh, two seconds uh, on the other play was a That's, little bit. I agree with that. Seemed like a slow trigger. I agree with um, on that. But, uh, you know, uh, 
yeah, I don't know what the review process is for that. I didn't think about it. There were so many other things to think about. That's that's actually a pretty good point. Uh, it did seem it did seem slow on the. Uh, well, here, wait a minute. I'm looking at my notes. Unless I wrote it down wrong, there were seven seconds left when Garantano threw the pass. It right. was incomplete in the back of the end zone. It did six, seem six seconds ran off. It did seem. Could have been seven seconds runoff. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it did seem <laughs> that uh, that play took a long time to only use six seconds. But uh, uh, you know, I've like I said, I've never seen any clock hanky panky at all at uh, at the UT game, and I'm sure the same people are doing it. I mean, it's a pretty good job to have. Why would you quit? I think and, that's, and that's just the way ten- it ended up. And that's a that's that's an SEC clock operator, or it, it's not a ten- University of Tennessee employee. It wouldn't have mattered had there not been an interference called before that because he flat drilled an interception right into underneath coverage. That was a bad throw. He makes some bad, bad decisions throw. out there, Jimmy. Yeah, he, he, he does some good things, but often his good things are overshadowed by bad decisions. Throwing yeah. when coverage is rolled underneath, sliding before you should slide, not picking up a corner blitz, not having a clock and holding the ball too long and taking a another traumatic sack yeah, i mean yeah he could use some more help out there but he makes some bad decisions during the game and right now he's made as many bad ones as he has good ones relative to the bryce thompson situation here's my opinion on that before he was signed by tennessee and after south carolina dropped him south carolina had a commitment from him and they decided not to take a guy in their own backyard in columbia south carolina because he had been accused of choking and hitting a woman. And uh, then she got a restraining order out against him, according to an incident report. Then he got a restraining order out against her. It was known that he did it. If Tennessee didn't know it, shame on them. They should have known it. And he should have been on zero tolerance. So when he had an issue with someone here, I don't think he should play football at Tennessee again. That's my opinion. He That was his second chance with signing with Tennessee. And... Again, I would have had zero tolerance, so he would not be on my team if I were. I'm. Uh, I'm not going to judge anybody for I know all the facts, but if the facts are what you just said to me, if he, if he did hit a woman, and he's done it again and it's gotten physical, he didn't hit her this time. It was a threat. But if he's threatened somebody here and he hit somebody in the past, and and it's proven to be true, and then help him. I'll help him pack. Yeah, the incident report in Columbia, South Carolina, said the woman accused him of hitting her and choking her, and uh, she got a restraining order against him, and then he got one against her. Yeah, this like issue. I, I want to know that stuff's true first. Yeah. I want to give everybody. I don't want to hurt an innocent man, but if it's true, he should pack his stuff. It's a reason South Carolina didn't sign him. And so then the issue here was he he threatened a girl, and then he threatened to to shoot up the school. He was. It was heard by witnesses to say that. Now, is all that true? I don't know. This is if what witnesses true, said. If but, it's true and yeah. you find out it's true and you're sure it's true, pack his stuff. Yeah. If it's not true, then that's a different ballgame. I would agree. But you got to make sure. Yep. We're brought to you by Window Works. When we come back, we'll have more with Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. This is Sunday Sports Sound Off. Any Saturday, you know, first um, Saturday back, you know, start a new season. I mean, we, we were excited, you know. We went out there, um, 
we we thought we was ready, you know. Older guys pumping up young guys, you know, it was a lot of a lot of us first time out there playing, you know, for the young guys. So to get for them to get that experience, I mean Georgia State came in, like Nigel said, they did what they were supposed to do, and we didn't. So it's a good learning um, experience, not just for the older guys, but especially for the young guys. Tennessee senior receiver Marquez Calloway. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Soundoff with Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. I want to play another comment from Jeremy Pruitt before we get to the calls. He was asked if he would like to see the offensive line settle on five starters rather than playing so many different combinations. I'll have to watch the the tape, and our coaches will have to watch the tape. Obviously, if you got somebody that's playing a lot better than somebody else, you don't want to play the other one. You know, uh, we played several guys today because we felt like they all kind of played about the same in camp. Uh, so you give them an opportunity and see where it goes. Kind of figure out who's playing the best as the game goes. So we'll watch the tape and figure that out. Uh, you know, we need competition on our team. It makes you better. Okay, um, and there's certain positions we have none. Okay, we have zero. All right, um, and we've got to recruit and get some guys back that give us an opportunity there. Uh, but the only way that you can improve is you got to practice with an edge, you got to play with an edge, you got to coach with an edge all the time. Um, and if you're not doing that, then you're not getting better. That's Jeremy Pruitt. One other comment before we get to our callers. Daryl Taylor, defensive end, outside linebacker, was asked about this. Garantano had said he thought the offense played hard, didn't execute that well. Taylor was asked, do you think the defense played hard? Yeah, I I don't think uh, on the defense side, I don't think we played hard enough. I think we didn't play hard enough, and I don't think uh, we knew enough to withstand the game uh, from the first quarter to the uh, fourth quarter. I don't think we were mentally prepared uh, for what they were going to run. I don't think we um, we studied enough film. I don't think we did that enough. But I can say that we uh, we made plays. We got a couple sacks, and we got we got one turnover. But when you don't get more than three turnovers in a game, you probably won't win as a defense. You probably won't win as a team if your defense is not creating a lot of turnovers, uh, causing havoc in the backfield, and uh, putting pressure on the quarterback. So I think we... We can learn from this, and uh, this won't, it won't happen again in the future. Daryl Taylor, Tennessee, outside linebacker. Let's go back to the phones where Virgil is our next caller. Hello, Virgil. Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I remember those days when, when Fulmer was just that last season before he was fired, and it seemed like to me that, that he, he, he might have been a little tired. Uh, they had been through the national championship, and it seemed like as the years went past that, we just didn't get the same recruits. There didn't seem to be the same emphasis, or we weren't getting the same guys. I don't know. Uh, did Fulmer get a little tired toward the end of his reign as head coach? Number one, number two, uh, Judge. I think they got a, they got a, the, the the current coaching staff or a future coaching staff, whoever it is at Tennessee, has got to take a less than talented team and build a winning program before you can even start to rebuild Tennessee into the power that it was. Your thoughts on those two things? Well, you got to coach what you got. And before that's, you can even start to rebuild Tennessee. Right. You got to coach what you got out there before you can uh, move on. I mean, your first priority has got to be winning football games and coaching, not recruiting. Uh, 
your first priority has got to be winning football games, not getting young guys' experience. I'm building for the future. You don't want to build for the future and lose to Georgia State. Uh, that's not building for the future. That's devastating. And we've been devastated. I'm devastated. Uh, not even hungry. So, <laughs> you know I'm devastated if I'm not hungry. Uh <laughs> But uh, and I'll come back and watch next week, and uh, I'll, I'll hope we get better, do better. I'm not giving up on the entire season because of one game, but a game like Georgia State, unexpected, um, supposed to be showcasing. Remember, earlier in the week I hear this same station talking about, do you think we'll get to play all three quarterbacks? Comments like that. And – a lot of times those comments are made by people that were never out there, and that's okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you go out there, it's a two-man enter, one-man leave thing. And uh, that was a devastating loss, a program-wide devastation. And it's going to linger for a while. And it's not going to go away quick, and the only thing to make it go away is to win. And I'm not sure – if we got a product that's going to win very much or not. I was concerned about our defense and not as concerned about our offense. Now I'm concerned about our offense and really, really, really concerned about our defense. Regarding the question, did Coach Fulmer get tired, <clears throat> excuse me, toward the end of his tenure? Um, maybe, but I will say this. Uh, at the year he got fired, his class was ranked number six in the country. And he had commitments from Taj Boyd. He had commitment from uh, Bryce Petty, both of whom went on to be record-setting quarterbacks at Clemson and at Baylor. Uh, and I don't remember which one of these, but one of the two last classes that he brought in, one of them was ranked in the top five in the country. It ended up being a bust. There were a lot of players in that class that did not play well. Another class was ranked around 30th. That class wasn't any good. So you had two classes in a row that didn't perform well. One on paper was supposed to be good. The other one wasn't. Neither one of them were any good. But, again, the last year he was there, when he got fired in December or November, uh, that class was ranked number six in the country at that time. So uh, let's go back to the phones where Bill is our next caller. Hello, Bill. Uh, Good morning. First of all, I'd like to say uh, it's good to hear uh, you, Jimmy and Tim, uh, considering uh, I died for five minutes uh, since the last time I did hear you. I was just wondering, what do you guys take on these 17-degree trailers they've got uh, that they brought in this week? Do you think that had anything to do with conditioning? I remember when I was, well, years ago, we was just happy to get a handful of ice and a football helmet. Yeah, so what you're talking about is post-game, they have trailers that are 17 degrees that after practice players can walk into it to chill off chill out I mean, let me uh, tell yeah. you something the the only thing and i you know I, I had practices where i didn't get water at all we didn't get water yeah. with the minnesota vikings unless there was a cattle warning in mankato in training camp that's true uh i had water with a dipper once in a while in high school an old dipper like you see in cool hand luke or something but yeah. i think that anything that might save a life to keep a kid from dying I'm okay with them bringing all the trailers they want and getting all the water they want as long as they work hard. 
and I, that's that's about all I can say about the subject because, I mean, people die from getting overheated and, and having heat strokes. So I'm way out of my element on this, but it seems to me if I'm really hot at practice, that's a heck of a change in my body temperature to drop into something at 17 degrees. I don't. I wouldn't want to do it. Now maybe they do, but I don't want to cool off like that. I'd rather a gradual cooling. Of course, you love cold weather, Tim. You may, have you not ever you, been really, really hot, Jimmy, and walked into a store and got a drink and looked back there and said, man, or go into one of those stores where they got the beer cooler separated off and just go walk in that cooler and stand for a minute? It wasn't 17 degrees. Yeah, I could That's do that. That's a heck of a body change. I could do that. I mean, think about those 70 people. degrees, yeah, not think 17. Think about those people that go into saunas and then run out and jump and roll in the snow and then go back into saunas. And They're nuts. That's therapeutic. They're nuts. That's therapeutic. <laughs> I, uh, it sounds pretty good to me. I, there's times oh. I would like to climb in that. When you looked across that AstroTurf field and saw the, the other side looked distorted because of the heat waves coming off the field, and you lose. I lost 22 pounds in a football game one time in Kansas City. Yeah, I would have taken all that 17 degrees. I could have gotten. Uh, well, sure our our bodies are different. I yeah. would never want to do that. Oh yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. But uh, uh, I didn't. I didn't know they had trailers that did that. But hey, it didn't we, work. we used to climb in ice whirlpools and sink down in them up to our neck with huh. ice slushing around in there to get cooled off rapidly. Yeah, I'm, I'm for it. Give me a 60-degree shower. That's all I need. Anything else, Bill? No, that's it. Okay. Appreciate you. Thank you. Let's go to Chuck. Chuck, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, well, that was a tough that, – yeah, I'm listening to this. I'm heading in Townsend, so I might I might lose you guys. I, I figured to, to get over this loss, I'm just going to go to Townsend and hang out a little bit, maybe do some hiking. But, uh, boy, that was, that was a tough loss. But that O-line and D-line – that they were just manhandled like um, they weren't even in the same league but as ball fans i'm tired of hearing all this um coaching new staff whatever yada 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 but th- th- this was a tough tough loss to get over it, it was a it was a kick in the nut bag and we just have to adjust our shorts and move on you know i mean it's i'm going to show up tomorrow uh next saturday and cheer these balls on we'll, we'll see but i didn't i didn't think our our O-line and D-line would get manhandled as bad as they, as it was yesterday. That, that was a big surprise. Well, in particular, the second half. The first half, Tennessee, the first quarter, Tennessee ran the ball pretty well, and then their run game disappeared, and they, they weren't committed to it in the second half. But then as the game wore on, in particular, the second half, Georgia State just controlled Tennessee's defensive line and ran the ball very effectively. Uh, Tennessee just looked like they wore out to me. Yeah, it's almost like um, the Georgia State coaches readjusted to to whatever whenever our, our our Vols were bringing in different linemen. It seemed like they readjusted a lot quicker than we readjusted. Seemed like they made some awful good adjustments at halftime to me. They were they were better in the second half. We were worse. So that's got to be a little bit on the coaches. Yeah, when 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 uh, we got that fumble and we drove down the field right before the end of the half, I thought we we're going to punch in the end zone and then move on from there. And then they held us to a field goal, and then it, it was pretty much all downhill from there. One of the reasons yeah. they held us for a field goal is because we messed around with it on our side of the fifty so long. 
And if we'd have been better clock managers or been more aggressive from the start, we would have scored a touchdown there if we'd had the ability to run the ball. Well, like I said, we're, we're going to have to make adjustments as ball fans and, and the team. And I guarantee you the coaches are all meeting today and they're all adjusting what needs to be adjusting, doing film study. And I, I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be a lot better team next, next Saturday night. So. Well, Chuck, we we'll appreciate it. There, guys. Okay, thank you. Hey, maybe, have I'll, a good day. maybe I'll see you in town. Have, have fun. Go out in the middle of one of those creeks and and bury yourself in it up to about your nose. It won't be seventeen degrees, but Make it'll be sure close it's not enough. Seventeen. You don't yeah. want to be in that seventeen. Well, it wouldn't be running if it was seventeen <laughs> degrees. It wouldn't be flowing, Jimmy. It'd be. <laughs> You're right about that. Uh, we're brought to you by Window Works, family-owned, founded in East Tennessee, with only American-made products. This is Sunday Sports Sound Off. You know, I don't think we played our best ball. I think Georgia. Yeah, it's gonna—it's definitely gonna bite us in the tail. I'm thinking about it. I'm—I don't even want to go outside right now. I want to go right to the film room. But as soon as Monday comes around, we have a new opponent, it's a new week, and our, we want to go one and zero every week. And going into BYU, we know we have a tough opponent, and we just got to really go clear, uh, clear slate clean, and go into next week and try to get a win. That's Tennessee quarterback Jared Garantano Tano talking about the loss, how tough it was, and will it linger? Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off with Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. We also uh, want to hear from Daryl T- uh, Taylor. He was asked the same thing about are you confident this Tennessee team can bounce back? I think it'll be easy for us to bounce back. It's only one game, no matter who you lost to, no matter where it's the biggest team, number one team, or the Number 31st team, it don't matter. Um, I think it will be, it'll be easy for us to bounce back because it's just our first game. It's a learning lesson, and we got 11 more opportunities to play again, go out there. We got eight more or seven more in Neyland. We got four more opportunities outside of Neyland. So I think it, it'll definitely be easy for us to bounce back. We just got to make sure we are not doing the same things that we did this week to lose that game and make sure we get better from it. That is Tennessee outside linebacker Daryl Taylor. One more comment from Garantano. Tennessee had minus two yards rushing in the second half. They had 27 yards rushing after the first quarter. So we talked to the quarterback about that. In the first quarter, I think it's six yards rushing. I think in the second half, it was minus rushing. What happened with the run game? I couldn't tell you. Um, we tried to assert the run in the second half, and it wasn't going as planned. Um, I tried to pick up a couple a couple yards with my legs today, and there was a lot of holes. They were dropping a lot of people. There was a lot of drop eight versus us. So. They honored our pass game, and they had good calls when they when we were passing and when we were running. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, we should definitely should have a better run game next week, and it really just comes out to doing our assignments up front and be, getting the right checks down and those type of things. Comments from Tennessee quarterback Jarrett Garantano. Let's go back to the phones where Billy is our next caller. Hello, Billy. Good morning, guys. Morning. I got, I got two comments. Okay. First of all, I'm going to agree with Tim. We need to start screening these calls. I, I, I'm like Tim. I'm angry. I want a moratorium on the Phil Fulmer conversation. That's done. That's in the past. Stop talking about it. He's back with people, us now. <laughs> I know he's back with us as an athletic director, but people want him coming back as a coach. Let's move on. We got Pruitt as the coach. Support the coach. And stop talking about back in the Phil Fulmer days. That, we need to move on from that. Number two, 
I've taught school now for 20 plus years. And one of the things you learn in teaching school is you got to model appropriate behavior. We look out of shape and our coaching staff looks out of shape too. How can the boys respect the coaches when they're out of shape? And I'm not saying they got to be gladiators out there, but my God, I went over to Johnny Major's football camp when I was a young kid and I can guarantee you every single one of those coaches was in good shape and they were intimidating. Coach Donahue could do more pull-ups than I'd ever seen. And he was almost 50-something years old. That's my comment. I want to hear what you guys have to say about that. Okay. Uh, number one, we're not putting a moratorium. Sorry, we don't do that. Secondly, um, Tim, what are your thoughts on the players not respecting coaches if the coaches aren't in shape? <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if it makes a lot of difference or not. I've seen some awful good coaches that couldn't play anymore that weren't in great physical shape. I've seen some real good ones. Uh, I think coaches come in all sizes and shapes. Uh, I've seen coaches that work out. I've seen coaches that don't work out and smoke cigarettes instead. I think he's actually digging at Cheney. I like to keep Cheney for a while. I don't. I, I'm a fan of Jim Cheney. So me too. Uh, no, I'm. I'm not buying that. I, I like the first part of his comment, but uh, about getting rid of the former curse. But you know. <laughs> Philip wasn't in real good shape either. I mean, I'm not in real good shape either. I think I'm. I think I was a good football coach when I coached my kids. But uh, coaches come in different shapes and sizes. I'm not buying into that. Uh, maybe it might make your kids respect you more if you could do 50 pull-ups. I don't know. But Brigham Young last year was seven and six, won a bowl game. They got a young quarterback who, in a bowl game, was terrific. He threw two pick sixes against Utah. What are the keys for Tennessee when they play BYU? Well, we start with two more of those pick sixes. That'd be nice. If he'd throw two pick sixes against us, that'd be a big gift. Uh, uh, make better decisions during the game. Get lined up right. Don't have two defensive ends on the same side. Don't slide short. Uh, start your slide before you make the first down. Uh, pick up the running free blitzers. Um, if you're going to get beat, make sure you get beat physically and not mentally. We'll see if they can accomplish that. They need to contain that quarterback as well. Tim Irwin, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Thanks, Jimmy. And, folks, in an hour, I'll be heading over to WATE. It'll be the sports source. They're going to 90 minutes. They'll have a lot of different opinions, former players, a brand-new look. We hope that you will join us at 11 a.m. on WATE channel six we appreciate you listening we appreciate those that call this has been sunday sports sound off